When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we are, folks. Just two episodes left of season 1.5. No, how does that work? The first half of season one of Star Trek Prodigy, I guess. Uh, We're going to be talking about that this week on Positively Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Gunther. With me, of course, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, are you ready to talk some Prodigy cliffhanger? Oh, I am more than ready to do that, Dan. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. So we will be talking about the ninth episode of season one of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part One. But before we get to that, we do have some news and some discussion topics to get to today. We're kind of going to be talking about Star Trek Picard for a bit of this. So, uh, yeah, we've got some images from season two of Picard, some interesting remarks from the showrunners about season three of Picard. And then we also have some Playmates toys to talk about. And I know that's been a long time coming for some fans out there really waiting for the the Playmates toys reveal. So that's going to be a fun little discussion. I have my sandbox outside ready for me to play with my toys. (laughs) Excellent. Well, this is January in northern Alberta for me, so uh, the sandbox is not ready. (laughs) No, yours is white sand. It's snow. You can play it in the snow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, actually, I say it's January, but this episode will be coming out on February 1st. So happy February, everybody, and welcome to Positively Trek. So Star Trek Picard, we've got some new images from the first two episodes of Star Trek Picard season two, and I'll link to the story over on trekmovie.com. But uh, yeah, we get some uh, some images of season two. We've got Picard and Q and Seven and Raffi and Elnor and Gerardi and some interesting martial looking uniform for Picard. What do you think of these pictures, Bruce? Well, when we see the whole gang together, as you mentioned, we've seen that in a teaser trailer. So I'm not seeing anything really new. It's interesting how they're all in dark colors. It obviously shows it's a different timeline. At least, you know, that's my assumption. And even when we see Picard at the Chateau, he's all in black with the new, with a different Starfleet emblem on him and Q's all in black. Everybody's in black, which, you know, is great when you're in New York because every New Yorkers love to wear black too. And I love to wear black. So this, this style works for me. Yeah, no, I, everybody looks sharp. Like Q looks very dapper, you know, I, I, he's, he's up to the style game, not just copying Picard's uniform, you know? You know, I have to wonder if we will see them de-age Delancey just 
briefly where he appears and he's like, oh, Picard, you're looking old, snaps his fingers, and then he looks away. We see him here now. I've seen some people speculate that. I don't know if they'll go that route, but that would be amusing. That would be very cue of them to do that. Because he didn't look this way on Lower Decks, but of course that takes place a couple decades before. <laughs> yeah, Q can just show up however he likes. I, I'm willing to go with it, so... Uh, I do have to say, and and no offense to the actor John Delancey or anything like that, but I always felt like his final appearance in Voyager, it felt like they were, you know, combing his hair a certain way, trying to make him look young like he did during TNG and stuff. And he had aged a little bit. He was a little bit older. And that just kind of looked goofy to me. I like that they're just kind of letting him be his natural age here. At, at least in at the pictures we see here. So I'm yeah. kind of thanking them for that decision. <laughs> I mean, I think he looks great. He, you know, even if they decided to try to make him look younger, not without any kind of special effects or digital remaking of him, but just darken his hair and not have the goatee, you know, he, he would look a little older, but not like that bad. You know, it's not like, oh my gosh, he's so old looking like he doesn't look. But I mean, obviously they're, saying yes this Q is looking different because that's why they're allowing the goatee because Q didn't have a goatee so we're establishing a new look for Q we're just not saying okay John Delancey come to the set and you're just Q you just look a little older and they have mentioned and John Delancey mentioned this in an interview that you know Q has it's he's a bit of a changed Q like there's some different motivations behind what he's doing and stuff than we've seen before. So, you know, without really knowing exactly what he means by that, I'm wondering if maybe his new look kind of reflects that a little bit, maybe a little bit more intense, the goatee kind of giving him a bit more of an edge. You know, I could kind of see that. Yeah, I can see him saying something like, ah, oh, Jean-Luc, just like yourself, you have aged and learned. I have gained more wisdom. So I wanted my look to look as if I've gained more wisdom. <laughs> that would have to, that would mean Q would have to admit that he uh, didn't know everything before. So I don't know if he'll be willing to admit that. I don't know. It comes <laughs> with age. That could be part of the wisdom that he's realized he doesn't know everything. Well, yeah, like I said, we'll have a link to this story so you can check out these images for yourself. Uh, but in the meantime, moving from Picard season two to Picard season three. And uh, we know that, of course, season two and three have been filmed back to back. So right now they are working on season three of Picard. And there's an interesting interview again over at trekmovie.com. And, and I'll have a link to that as well. The showrunner, Terry Matalas, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, spoke to SFX magazine about season three, calling it a game changer. So uh, this is interesting. What are your kind of thoughts uh, on some of these comments here, Bruce? Yeah, because as I'm reading through the comments, he says that season two is more of an intimate story where season three is that game changer. And we've already heard and pretty much been confirmed that we're only getting three seasons of Picard unless something changes. But it sounds like mm -hmm. that's a done deal. But the fact that this is a game changer in the Star Trek and in, you know, caps for the U universe, capital U universe, then, you know, there's a chance that, and this is asked later in this, this story, there's a chance that we could see something spun off from this. And there was a brief moment. I had a, this thought of, well, this is Star Trek Picard, 
What if the next series is Star Trek Cisco and then Star Trek Janeway follows that series? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, yeah, interesting. I don't know if they could bring Avery Brooks back. That's he seems the only kinda, problem. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'd want Cisco recast. I, I, I no. couldn't imagine it without him, but it's an interesting thought, though, for sure. That would be really cool. But you're right. I don't think Avery Brooks will come back, but you never know. People would have said, oh, Patrick Stewart's not going to come back to play Picard. So Yeah, Patrick Stewart himself said that at one point. There so you go. everything, you know, you never, ever know, like you said. Well, yeah, really excited about some of these comments here. I love the the idea of there being cool new ships, apparently. A few nods to the Kirk movies. I, I like that. You know, you can tell that the showrunner's a bit of a fan and, and that kind of thing. And the other thing is, Terry Matalas has been very active on Twitter, sharing a lot of pictures of the sets and props and that sort of thing during season three of Picard. So, you know, anyone out there who doesn't follow him on Twitter, I would definitely encourage you to do so. And it's just at Terry Matalas, T-E-R-R-Y-M-A-T-A-L-A-S. It's definitely interesting to see what pops up on that Twitter feed because there's some great Elkars panels and and chairs and different props and, and, and sets from season three that uh, are a lot of fun to look at and pick the details out of. So, okay, I'm now following Terry. I just did that. And Terry's profile says showrunner, director, and popcorn maker. I'm very interested in the popcorn maker part here because I love some popcorn. You know, funny story. My Twitter bio used to say soda slosher and popcorn spiller because of a couple of incidents at a movie theater. And uh, yeah, my wife or my, she was my fiance at the time, told me I had to change my Twitter bio to that because of my, my clumsiness at the movie theater. So. <laughs> so you're one of the ones that people have to clean up after. Oh, <laughs> uh, not usually. There were a couple small incidents that I am not proud of, but usually I'm one of those people that's tisking other people for leaving all of their mess. But there were a couple occasions where unfortunately, uh, the uh, the staff of the movie theater probably thought very uh, not highly of me. So, <laughs> well, I can't help but make a little mess with popcorn because it's dark, you know. And I know mm -hmm. when I'm eating, some of it's falling down, and I can't see. You know, if it falls on my shirt or my lap, I'll pick it up and still eat it. But if I can't see it and I stand up, there's going to be some that falls. I mean, I know I'm making a little bit of mess, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we're. I'm assuming you're not one of the ones that leaves all their garbage and stuff all over the floor and Absolutely seats. not. No, I always yep. throw my stuff away because that's what I do at home, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thank you. I, I don't understand. Little mini rant here. I don't understand why so many people find it acceptable to leave a huge mess like that at the movie theater. So everyone who's listening to this podcast... Forgiveness for all past transgressions in this area, but going forward from this point, anybody uh, who's going to a theater or enjoying a movie and hopefully someday soon, maybe a Star Trek film at the movie theater, make sure to pick up your bags of popcorn and, and pop cups and stuff when you leave. Uh, leave it as clean as you can because the theater staff will greatly appreciate it. And when you're walking your dog, pick up the dog poop. That too. Oh, thank you very much. Absolutely. 
So yeah, this latest issue of SFX Magazine with Star Trek Picard featured on the cover is the February 2022 issue. So uh, yeah, maybe pick that up. I think it's going to be a pretty cool little uh, memorabilia thing of this season of Picard because SFX, right? You know, the classic SFX Magazine, it has Star Trek on the cover once again. It's like the good old days. So Mm. that's pretty cool. I remember those days. I still have many of those laying around for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it, love it. But you know, Picard's just about a month away. That's it. Ooh, yeah. March 3rd, we're going to be getting season two of Star Trek Picard. I'm very excited. Uh, I mean, I've been enjoying all of the Star Trek, but really excited for Picard. And uh, yeah, speaking of all of Star Trek, we now have Playmates Toys returning to the Star Trek universe. And their figures, their first wave of figures have been unveiled. And uh, yeah, an interesting offering here. We've got three new figures from Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. We have Khan, Admiral Kirk, and Captain Spock. These are pretty cool. What are your thoughts on, on these figures here, Bruce? Are you going to pick them up? Mm, I, I don't know. I, there, there's, there's one on, in here that we'll get to that I think I probably will get. Uh, but of these three, I mean, they look great, but I like the Khan one. Like, I think he, it looks like Ricardo Montalban very much. And yeah, you got to have that chest and an action figure too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. These three look really good to me. I really like the likenesses. I have seen some people online saying the Spock one looks more like Zachary Quinto than Leonard Nimoy. Oh, that's a good point. It does kind of. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I, maybe, I don't, I think it looks like a really good likeness of Leonard Nimoy personally, but, uh, I don't know. I, I like these. We've never gotten a Spock figure from Playmates in the maroon, the monster maroon jacket. So I, I definitely want to pick that one up. I think all three of these are maybe want to gets for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, really, I would want all three, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get too crazy because I'll start buying them all. Yeah, it's see, this is the danger here and the appeal to like my generation of fandom because Playmates figures came out primarily in the 90s, right when I was the age that like I wanted every single one. And I mean, I had a Guinan action figure, I had like an elderly Admiral McCoy action figure. Like I had all of the, the main ones and then like a ton of the, like outside the box periphery ones that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think of Guinan as being an action figure, but you know, I had her and I had a Nausicaan. I had Scotty from relics. Like I had all of them. Right. So this is dangerous. It's appealing to my nostalgia and, uh, they might, They might be getting some money from me for these, I think. I'm just a little concerned. I think you probably still have them, but you keep saying I had. So I want to make sure you didn't get rid of them, did you? I do still have them. Um, I guess I say it in the past tense because they're kind of all in some box somewhere and and haven't really been. Like, I, I opened them all up and played with them, so they're all just kind of in a jumble somewhere. I, I don't, yeah, I have a few here and there, but most of them are all still in storage. I would have loved to have seen you as a kid playing with these. I want to see what <laughs> stories you were coming up with. Yeah, I played with them quite a bit and, and you know, but uh, for the most part had them displayed all around my bedroom and stuff. And I actually did this thing where um, I 
drew like a picture of the character and taped it like underneath their figure. I don't know. It was just some thing. So I had like my artwork of the character underneath all the figures all around my room. And so, yeah, bookcases with books on the shelf and then a line of figures in front of them, which made it precarious when I wanted to get a book out and stuff. So, (laughs) yeah. Yep. Well, I only have three. I think I've mentioned it on past episodes. So I just, I know I have a Picard. I have a Cisco in the TOS uniform from Trials and Tribulations. Oh, yeah. And I have Captain Mackenzie Calhoun from the novels. I think those oh. are the only ones I have. See, I'm jealous of that because I kept seeing those ads to send away for the exclusive Mackenzie Calhoun and I never did and I never got that one. And I'm jealous of that. I would have loved that one. I had him because I wanted to display him with all my books. So on my bookshelf of all the Star Trek novels, I had him stand in there. Awesome. Well, you said you had a Picard. And speaking of Picard, we also have three TNG figures We have Captain Picard, Commander Riker, and Lieutenant Commander Data from the TNG Season 3 onward uniform. So, you know, the typical most of the series uniform that we see them in. And I have to say, of the figures that have been revealed, these three are the ones that I'm kind of... eh, Maybe, but I'm not really, you know, dead set on getting these ones. Uh, They're kind of ones we've seen before. Uh, the Picard and Riker likenesses, I think, look really good. The Data likeness just looks a little off to me. But, uh, yeah, I might pick these up, but they're not at the top of my list. Yeah, the Data one looks like Zachary Quinto. You know, it's just... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I heard somebody say he looks a bit like Benedict Cumberbatch. and Oh my gosh, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. It could just could be because of the lighting. I... I I, I don't know. You'd really have to see them up front to know how good they look. But yeah, I, I mean, the Jean-Luc Picard one in that uniform is like the one I have. I don't know if it's exactly like this or is a new mold of him. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get that one because it's very similar to the one I already have. The one I really want isn't one of these. Yeah, for sure. I will say these are all new molds. They're not, they don't share the molds with the old uh, series ones. I think, and and a lot of people are kind of a little disappointed by this. I think the old figures were like four and a half inch or something like that. These are a slightly larger scale at five inch. So I know some people are disappointed they can't use them in their old play sets and that sort of thing, which, you know, from a business standpoint, Playmates, I'm sure, wants to sell all new ones. So (laughs) they're probably not interested in making them backwards compatible but they are a little larger than the typical ones back in the 90s oh well now that kind of makes me not want to get what i want to get because i want to like display with my other ones and if they're bigger it doesn't it's not gonna look right Hmm. well yeah that might be a deciding factor for some people for sure But one figure that's going to be bigger regardless of what scale they're in is Saru because he's so dang tall. And uh, we have two more figures, Saru and Michael Burnham from season two of Star Trek Discovery. And these ones are definitely at the top of my I want list because I would love these. Being that they're from the new shows, it's a subject that's not been done Uh, in this type of action figure. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want these ones on my shelf. So I was going to say mine was Burnham. That was the one that Mm. I wanted 
<laughs> Notice I'm saying that's the one that I wanted, but now if the size doesn't work with the others, I don't know. Maybe I still would. But then it makes me think, well, maybe I should go with Saru because Saru's my second choice out of all these. <laughs> and if Saru's going to be bigger, then it would work with the others then, you know, because he is taller. But then at the same time, as I'm thinking about it, even though I'd like to have these, I'd like to have them in the newer uniforms, like from the most recent season, because mm. I'd like to have a Captain Burnham. That's yeah. what I really want. Now, I'm sure so at some point they will be doing more up-to-date figures like that. These are, like I said, they're from the season two versions. So Saru is first officer and commander and Michael Burnham is a commander and in the sciences uniform. So, uh, and she's got her shorter season two hairstyle. So yeah, some people maybe want the more up-to-date ones. I'm sure they'll be doing those at some point, but uh, yeah. Uh, the Saru one, I love. They have like the correct feet and, and his kind of hoof type feet and stuff. Uh, I really like these. I definitely want these both. Well, also coming from Playmates is uh, ships and role play toys, I guess. So uh, the first two of those have been announced. We have the original series Enterprise which is uh, in 18-inch scale. So it's 18 inches long, including lights, sounds, and phrases, and uh, available in what they're calling nostalgic packaging. So I should say also the Wrath of Khan figures and the TNG figures are in nostalgic packaging. So I'm assuming packaging that looks kind of like their products from back in the 90s. That's my guess. While the Discovery ones are in new universe packaging they're calling them so another another just way to tug at the heartstrings of nostalgia for us older collectors especially seeing them in stores it's one thing to go online and buy these but i would love to see them on the peg in the stores yeah i remember back in the day going to uh, a local store called zellers which doesn't even exist as a store anymore and that's where i would usually get my star trek action figures and yeah, walking in and seeing which ones were on the pegs and which ones I had and didn't have. And, oh, there's a new series now. Oh, they have Deep Space Nine figures now. Oh, I'm just like remembering those days and being so excited. And my parents saying, okay, you can get one, you know, or something like that. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I miss those days. I know what you mean. It's just not the same anymore. I mean, every once in a while, we still see some stuff like that. We've had, I remember going to Target and still seeing, you know, these classic like Mego figures of the Star Trek crew or whatever. But I will say that if you ever go to a grocery store with me or to a, like a Walmart or something and you pass a section where there's books, you'll always hear me say, oh, I remember the days that sometimes every once in a while I'd walk by a section like this and I'd see a Star Trek novel sitting there. You never see that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. I do the same. I always just take a quick glance at the books at Walmart or Superstore or whatever and, and yeah, they're just not there and it makes me sad. I know. I keep waiting just one day I'll see one and go, oh my gosh. And I'll probably be like calling my wife and the kids over, look, look, look. <laughs> I feel like I did see one of like way back when, like maybe the first Star Trek Discovery trade paperback might have been at Walmart or, or maybe it was the Picard hardcover. I can't remember which one, but there was one and then that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll see. <sighs> well, lastly, they do have, like I said, role play toys as well. And we're getting a Star Trek, the original series phaser 
the classic type two phaser from TOS with lights and sounds and also available in what they're calling nostalgic packaging. So this is pretty cool. Nice little toy. Uh, I have somewhere an art asylum phaser that's, you know, pretty close to what was on screen. So, you know, if you don't have a phaser, this might be a good one, but uh, it's not really one I'm interested in picking up. No, I mean, I don't have a phaser, but yeah, I mean, that has lights and sounds could be fun. You know, if you had two of them and you run around your yard with someone and playing with them, <laughs> I would love to have that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it looks like maybe not completely screen accurate, but, you know, we do have to remember these are toys and not high end replicas. Right. So I can only hope that I see outside my window kids playing in the yard with these toys and go, oh. <gasps> There we are, the next generation of fans growing up, watching Star Trek, playing with the toys. It's back again. Yes. Well, with regards to the Playmates toys, the first wave in the Star Trek Universe collection is going to be available online in July of 2022. So not in time for the Mission Chicago convention. Uh, And they'll be in stores this fall. And apparently there are additional figures and accessories scheduled for release in early 2023, and those will be announced later this year. So we'll definitely bring you that news as we learn it. Well, what do you say we take a brief break? And when we come back, let's talk about Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 1. Thank you to you, our listeners, for supporting Positively Trek and to especially our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to contribute to Positively Trek and be a patron on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash positively trek. You'll get perks like early access to episodes and bonus content. And for those who are in the higher levels, you get shout outs and associate producer credits and much more. And speaking of shout outs, let's give a shout out to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber. Thank you all for your support. Now let's go back to the show. I know you never thought you were Starfleet material, but today you're risking everything on a seemingly impossible mission to save others, to bring hope to a hopeless cause. Nothing's more Starfleet than that. So here we go. The penultimate episode of the first half of season one of Star Trek Prodigy. Kind of got to play some linguistic games with that there because initially we thought that would be the first season. But of course, now it's going to be 20 episodes. So this is just the first half of season one. And we've got the first part of a little bit of a cliffhanger involving our crew of the USS Protostar. So, uh, Bruce, you got a chance to watch this episode Uh, Did you see it more than once or just the one time? I saw it. Oh, actually, now I'm glad you asked that because I did see it the day it came out on Thursday on Paramount Plus, but not when I wanted to see it because I got up early that morning and it wasn't there. (laughs) Yeah, I was seeing some of this online that that people weren't getting it on Paramount Plus right away. Well, what was funny about it is when you go to Paramount Plus... It was one of the banners there, a prodigy, and it said new episodes every Thursday. They were promoting, but the new episode wasn't there. (laughs) So it was funny that they're promoting new episodes on Thursday. And so, yeah, I saw Twitter lightening up where people are like, I can't do it. And I participated in that, too. And uh, I think I did see I'm on the East Coast, Eastern time zone. So I think I did see at least around noon it was there. 
but I couldn't watch it then. Because now that, I mean, even though I'm working from home, even if I did start watching it, my phone would ring. I get interrupted. So I watched it that evening after work. And then I watched it again this morning, which is Saturday as we're recording. So now I've seen it twice. Well, it's funny that that you had that issue and and people watching in Paramount Plus had that issue because that's a a couple times now that Crave here in Canada has kind of gotten it or or gotten the be- the more correct version before Paramount Plus does because yeah I, when I saw that online I went and checked Crave I wasn't in a position to be able to watch it right then and there but I checked Crave here in Canada and it was there and and it was there like early on Thursday and then I was thinking how back a few weeks ago the Paramount Plus version of the episode First Con-Tact had the wrong title card, but the Crave one had the correct one right away. So it's kind of interesting that like Paramount Plus is kind of the flagship premiere service that is supposed to be featuring these episodes in the U.S. And they seem to be having issues here and there, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I don't know really what's going on there. Somebody's messing up. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know. but. I will say this, and I, I really do wish and hope that someone at Paramount CBS is listening to this, because I do mean this in all honesty. I'm loving Paramount Plus. And mm, that's good, yeah. Not just because of Star Trek. I mean, that Star Trek's a huge reason why I love it. But there's other content in there that I'm really enjoying. And even though some of that is on CBS and I can watch on broadcast, I like the convenience of it's just there whenever I'm ready to watch it. I have to say, when I went to watch Prodigy and that episode wasn't up, I was like, okay, well, I'll watch this other thing I've been watching on Paramount Plus, and that's Survivor, South Africa, in the Philippines. So South Africa has their own version, and it started on Paramount Plus when I hit play on season six. I'm a big Survivor fan, so it was more like, ooh, well, I'll just watch some more Survivor, because I want to know what's going on in this season as I've been watching it. So I'm loving that because that's the only place I can watch that. And it's just as good as the American version. I've been also watching with my wife every night. She keeps wanting to watch 1883 with me. I got her hooked on that. And that's a tremendously great series. It's a prequel to Yellowstone, which I haven't watched. Anyway, I'm just gushing. There's lots of stuff on Paramount Plus that I watch. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, not just Star Trek. So that's cool. But uh, but lots of Star Trek, of course, as well. And yes. as as we've seen, it looks like they're kind of trying to consolidate Paramount Plus as being the place to watch Star Trek and uh, one of the only places to be able to watch Star Trek eventually. Yes. So, yes. yeah. And they have their live channels and they have a Star Trek channel. And I, That's cool. you know, my whole thing of like, okay, I want to randomly pick an episode. I let them do it now. I just go to the channel and whatever, like sometimes uh, the other day they were playing TNG season seven, one episode after the other, and there's no ads in it. And, you know, next time I tune in, it's Prodigy. Another time it's Discovery. I mean, it's like, it can be old and new stuff. Well, speaking of the new stuff, uh, we've got this episode, and like I say, it's the it's the ninth episode and part one of two, so we've got a bit of a cliffhanger. And the first thing I want to say is uh, the writing credits for this episode. <laughs> As we've learned from various interviews and stuff over the course of the season, pretty much all of the writers in the writers' room have at least 
their fingers in the pot for just about every episode, but it gets credited to one particular writer who does the, the main teleplay writing for the episode. Uh, but apparently these last two episodes of the season, they've uh, credited the entire writer's room for all of their contributions to these stories. So uh, we have uh, a moral star part one written by Kevin and Dan Hageman, Julie Benson, Shauna Benson, Lisa Schultz, Nikhil S. J.R.M., Deandra Pendleton Thompson, Chad Quant, and Aaron J. Waltke. So officially the episode of Star Trek with the most credited writers on it. So that's that's pretty cool. So I'm a little disappointed you brought that up because I was going to say to you, Dan, who wrote this episode? <laughs> and you, you just read them all, so that's perfect. That's what I wanted to hear. I know. I thought that was so funny. I'm just curious if part two is going to have the same. I'm assuming it will list all these people as well. I don't know. That's what I've heard, yeah. I was wondering. I was like, this has got to be the most number of writers we've had listed for an episode in any Star Trek before. I mean, we've seen some where there's been quite a few, but not this many. No. Yeah. This is apparently uh, the episode that now holds the record for the most writers credited on a single episode of Star Trek. So that's pretty cool. But you don't know what the, what record it broke. Did you? I'm going to assume there's maybe five, six at the most, I would think. Yeah, not off the top of my head. I know just as an example, I think yesterday's yesterday's Enterprise and TNG has a big long list of credited writers. Nowhere near this long as obviously, but there's been a few over the years that I know have a have a long credit, but uh, I can't think of others off the top of my head. <laughs> well, now I know who to credit for this episode. These nine people. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. You know, it's funny, and this may be a bit too much of an insight into my obsessive compulsive behavior. And I, I should say, I should qualify that by saying not, not actually obsessive compulsive. I don't have that disorder and I shouldn't cheapen it by saying that. But just the fact that I like to document everything, I keep a, a spreadsheet of all the TV that I watch just to kind of keep track of how much television I'm watching and stuff. But I have the spreadsheet and I have columns for writers and directors as well, because I like to just kind of refer back to that. And now the spreadsheet for the month of January is extremely wide because <laughs> I have this big, huge, long list of writers in the one column for written by. And uh, yeah, it's uh, made a big impact on my spreadsheet. So. <laughs> so wait, this is just for Star Trek show or all television that you watch? All television. Just to be like, wow, did I ever devote a lot of time to watching television in November? Maybe I better cool it for a bit and spend some time on more on other things. It's just kind of a way to keep track of how much time I'm spending on stuff, I guess. Oh my gosh. The ratings companies would love you because you're already <laughs> doing all the work that they'd want even and more. And you list all the writers and the directors. Yeah. That's just my own kind of like just wanting to have really picky information that I just, yeah, that's just, I, don't know. I'm, I find this so interesting. I've never known anybody to do that. I think that's pretty cool though. I mean, yeah. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> kind of weird, I guess, but yeah, there you go. Everyone knows something more about me now. <laughs> wow. I'm impressed. I want to see that sheet though, but I probably wouldn't recognize half of what you're watching. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mostly right now. I'm going to say Star Trek and Frasier, which we're watching on, on Crave right now. And, 
Quantum Leap. <laughs> I guess we're still watching or making our way through. So, yeah, just a bunch of random stuff. That's interesting because I recently started rewatching Frasier myself. So, oh, um, that's fun. I think that's on <laughs> Paramount Plus too. <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's funny watching Frasier. Just going on a little side tangent here. How many actors are in Frasier that end up being in Star Trek and vice versa at some point? So it's kind of funny. Well, you know, they're bringing back Frasier and new episodes. Really? Yep. I hadn't heard that. Yep. Not on Paramount Plus, but I think it's on Peacock, if I remember correctly. But yeah, hmm. we'll be getting some new Frasier. Interesting. Well, we'll have to check that out. There's 11 seasons of the original and we're only on season three. So we'll have to pick up the pace to make sure that we're ready for the new Frasier, I guess. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that episode of Frasier that you just watched, Dan. No, oh, no wait, forget it. This is a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, so this episode, we get the uh, crew kind of talking a bit about what happened in the last episode, and we have the remains of the Dreadnought robot that got created by the vehicle replicator, and it activates, and we get a message from the Diviner saying the ship should be returned to him, and if they return the ship, he will release all of the prisoners at Tars Lamora, and that uh, his daughter should come back to him. So a kind of an ominous way to start the episode here and definitely a, a wily move on the part of the diviner that, you know, that he's going to hold the lives of all of these slaves that he has hostage so that they'll return the ship to him. I didn't think about it until you were just saying this, but he says he's giving them one day to do mm -hmm. this. But how does he know they're going to listen to this when they needed to listen to it? Because remember, Dreadnought didn't, activate the message until Dow knocked it over by accident. If he hadn't done that, then all these prisoners on the planet would have been <laughs> beaten or whatever he was going to do to them. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I never thought of that. Maybe the diviner's not quite as wily as we thought. <laughs> well, because then maybe the diviner's like, well, I'm not going to do anything until they see hear that message. And I'm sure that will make them come here. But he'd also would have to think, well, even if it's a week from now, they're going to think it's too late because I told them it has to be today. Unless there's some sort of long range communications thing that allows him to like, like, you know, when you send a text message and then it says that it's been read, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's yes. something like that. It's just like, oh, it's still unread. He, they still haven't listened to my, my warning yet. Come on. People activate this thing so we can get this started. There you go. That's in my head canon now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, before we get further into the story, too, I forgot to mention this. The title, A Moral Star, is interesting because that is an anagram of Tars Lamora, this, this place where the diviner keeps all of the people. Wait, did you figure that out? Or did you read that somewhere? I did not read it somewhere, but it was actually one of the commenters on the live show last week when we were talking about the episode Time Amok when we, and we mentioned uh, this week's episode title. That is clever. I didn't know that, and that's why I wanted to know, Dan, if you figured it out yourself or not. <laughs> I cannot take credit for it. I wish I could, but uh, no, I, I do see that it, it, it does also say it on Memory Alpha as well, so... Okay, well, maybe because they were watching the live show, and that's where Memory Alpha got it from. 
<laughs> oh, that could be. They should they should have it in the in the credits then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I was curious to see how that would kind of play into the story. And we do get the return to Tars Lamora because Dal and the crew ultimately do decide to return, but not before coming up with some sort of daring plan that we don't really get to see exactly what it is because it's done through the power of montage. <laughs> yes, it is. And, you know, the second time around watching it, knowing what the plan is, it's cool to watch that scene going, okay, I know what they're thinking, you know, get that coffee out. Let's do this. So that was fun. And it, it made us think while we were watching it that like, we really wish we could get things done via montage. Like, just like a few quick clips of us cleaning the house and like, then it's done somehow. That would be really cool, but unfortunately not. <laughs> and the way this episode started just really made me think of the previous episode with the fox and the chicken and the grain, the whole mm -hmm. idea of they need to learn to work together. And here they are starting this episode saying, Hey, we need to work together. They learned their lesson from that last episode. And now we're seeing them take that into practice here. Yeah, and I do love that Zero even says, you know, even though we were separated in different time streams, we were still able to all work together. And I, I love that that lesson is kind of spelled out there. Yeah, and so, yeah, they're going to continue to do that now. They have come together as a team and are going to work together. I mean, at this point, they should wear matching uniforms, you know, they're practically Starfleet. Well, it's funny you should say that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and we do get, yeah, this reveal of these interesting uniforms we've never seen before that I'm guessing maybe are cadet uniforms that kind of, they've got kind of a gray shoulder area that dips down and uh, definitely interesting fit for, for all the various members of the crew, given, you know, their various different body types and, and forms and stuff. It's kind of cool. They they look like a well-matched team, though, when they're all wearing these new uniforms here. I like this whole idea of different uniforms that we keep seeing with all these new Star Treks. And I don't know what era these uniforms are from. I mean, yeah. I know when we're, this, this show's taking place, but are these the uniforms from that era? Are these uniforms specific to the ship? You know, or is this from a different time or something? Or whatever it is. I don't know, but... Even if these uniforms are unique to this time, we're seeing how there's varying types of uniforms in one time period. And I actually like that. I mean, of mm -hmm. course, we've talked about this before. Yeah, we've seen something like this before between like TNG and Deep Space Nine having different uniforms and stuff. But I, I like that concept, you know, that it's not just that everybody wears the same uniform, that there's different types of uniforms out there for whatever reason. We still don't know exactly why, but I like the idea. Earlier in the episode, we talked about Playmates action figures. And I know something people have been excited about are Prodigy toys because of the obvious child tie-in and that kind of thing. And man, would I ever love to see this crew in, as a series of figures in these uniforms. I think that just looks really sharp. I'm glad you said that because we were shopping today and we passed some items that were geared towards kids at the store. And I see stuff from Star Wars and some other franchises. And I thought, man, I'm just, I wish I'd see Star Trek stuff like that in the wild in a kid's section. And then I thought about Prodigy and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to start. I don't think we're going to start seeing it 
quite yet, but maybe soon. But I want to start looking in kids' sections of stores, seeing if I see Prodigy stuff, like mm-hmm. shirts and lunch boxes or something, you know? Well, at least as far as the Playmates Toys stuff goes, that is on the way at some point. So uh, I'm not sure if it'll be in this second wave that they mentioned, but yeah, we will see definitely Star Trek Prodigy stuff. I got to give a shout out to Aaron J. Waltke, who we talked a little bit about last episode, but uh, I'm a few weeks behind on my, on my podcasts, but he was recently a guest on the weekly Trek podcast that had an interview with him. And uh, it was a really great interview. And he talked a little bit about not specifics because, you know, he can't talk about that, but he did say that like, he's been looking at some of the stuff that, that uh, playmates is going to be doing for prodigy. And he's really excited about it. See, I like that. That sounds great. But the other thing Mm -hmm. about these uniforms back to that is just seeing rock talk in a uniform because you know, we have the Bracars that we've seen like in the novels, like Zach Cabron that has, a, he's in always in uniform. So it's cool to see Rock Talk in a uniform too. Mm-hmm, definitely. And Zero as well. Yes. An interesting little bit of the uniform around their kind of uh, makeshift case or body that they've they've created for themselves for sure. But also in uniform is... Uh, the hologram Janeway who changes her uniform to match everyone else's, which I thought was kind of a nice little touch. Yeah. I wasn't quite expecting that, but I was like, okay, that that's cool. I like it. Yeah. We're going to see Janeway <laughs> in a different uniform. And we obviously seen Janeway in a different uniform as vice Admiral Janeway in Star Trek online. We didn't mention that earlier, but there's a trailer you guys want to check out. Just oh yes. To see that. Yeah, that's a good call as well. Uh, remind me, I'll put a link to that in the in the show notes as well, even though we didn't really talk about it in the news. But yeah, good call. But yeah, Janeway's hologram version matches them all up and they, they head out on this mission. I didn't mention also that I really liked the just kind of choice that they had to make, right? Because we see that map where the protostar is and we've got like the line leading to Federation space and the line leading back to Tars Lamora and they have to make that decision. I, I loved the kind of weight that Dahl felt at that moment having to make that decision and that moment. And also the fact that he is taking his time to really truly consider the options and not just making a gut reaction decision. I really enjoyed his growth this season. Yeah. I also like how Jacob Pog, but right before that gets on the table and he's just like, you know, going back there is such a crazy, stupid idea, but we're, I can't wait to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> I can't okay. think of a better group of crazy people I'd want to do that with or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right about Dow because, you know, we're seeing some people I think have complained that, you know, he's just kind of is off the cuff does whatever and just spouts whatever and here he is it's like he's maturing right we're seeing him like you know hey this is a big decision and i have to make it if make a decision if this is something we really should be doing or not and i care you know i care about all of us and i don't want to put us in danger and so he brings up the kobayashi maru you know this Mm -hmm. is our no-win situation and i can't go off the cuff and do a harebrained idea anymore like i've got to actually make a grown-up decision yeah, I love how so many of the things over the course of the season have led to this. And yeah, it can't be one of my half-baked plans. It's just such a great line from Dahl and, and shows the the kind of self-reflection that he's undergoing now, which I really appreciate as well, for sure. Yeah, and it was at this point 
that my wife walked into the room and she was doing some work for her job. I don't know. She's like reorganizing files. And we have a couch where there's, you know, it's not against the wall. And I could sense her behind the couch standing there. And I never turned and looked, but I sensed that she was there the rest of the episode because she hasn't been watching Prodigy with me. But she mm-hmm. stood there the whole episode because as soon as the episode ended, I turned back and looked. And there she was. And she goes, oh, I guess we have to wait till next week. And I'm thinking, I got her. (laughs) You got her. Yes. (laughs) That's excellent. This is a great episode to to really get people, as you say, because, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Really intriguing things that I just can't wait to see how they pay off because they do return to Tars Lamora. They turn over the ship basically to the diviner in exchange for the diviner's ship. And of course, predictably, uh, the diviner sabotages the ship and, and attacks it and takes out its power plant and also forces Gwyn to go along with him, which is that was I, I got to say that was a sad moment watching Gwyn walk off with her father and you know, basically being forced to go along with him and stuff. And of course we know there's a plan, there's a plan, you know, and we'll get there, but you know, it, it was, it was a heavy moment for sure. And it was a great moment because it really shows how much she means to the rest of her crew, her new friends. Right. Because if you look at the earlier episodes, they don't know what to make of her. They don't really trust her. And now they're all one unit. They don't want her to go. She's part of them. And so it was just great to see that. Yeah. And the fact that, of course, she's in that same uniform as all of them and her father is disgusted by this. And, you know, do you realize what that uniform and what that insignia represent? And he is not a fan of the Federation, obviously. (laughs) Now, and I don't like how easily it was to break that badge when he stepped on it. Yeah. I was like, he is very heavy, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It'd be like, maybe he should stomp on it a few times before it breaks. It just seems too fragile. (laughs) Just like one little step. Just crunch and it shattered. Yeah. That was interesting for sure. But yeah, so they're they're taking off in the protostar and like I said he attacks his own ship and disables it uh disables the gravity and everybody's hanging on for dear life and screaming as the ship departs and I loved the moment where they were like you know he's gone we can we can stop the act now and they all stop screaming and all come together and it's obvious they had the they have a plan and they planned for this from the beginning and I just want to say, I'm really glad that that reveal happened at the end of the episode and like we didn't have to have a to be continued with them all screaming and, and it looking really dire for them. And then at the start of the next episode, them going like, ah, we fixed it. haha! Ha, it's all part of the plan. I like that that reveal came here so that, you know, we don't have that kind of false thing going on. Also, I think the fact that it's a kid's show probably played into that decision a little bit that, you know, you don't want to leave your audience devastated for a week <laughs> that all is lost kind of thing. No, that's so a I, good I appreciate point. that decision. Excellent point. Yeah, because, yeah, if we had watched it, and we're like, oh, no, what's going to happen to them? And then we tune next week. And in the first few seconds, it's, uh, OK, we were just kidding. It's like, really? <laughs> that's yeah. A, yeah. Do that now. Because also it makes it more interesting to me that, okay, so they have a plan. It's working. 
Now let's see how this plan plays out. Yeah, I'm excited to see all of that and and yeah, see them execute this plan, that sort of thing. You know, I don't want to have the false sense that, you know, they're all going to die and this is all horrible and stuff. No, I want, I'm I'm excited to see them take charge now and what they're going to do to rescue everybody. I love it. Yeah, and you know, since we're talking about cliffhangers, this is the one complaint I have about this series is I just hate how it always just seems to end and the credits, it never feels like it's ending. Like it just stops and then the credits roll. It's like, whoa, because the first time I watched it, I'm watching it and then it hits that moment and the credits, I'm like, oh, it's over? (laughs) Yeah. That's not the first time that's happened watching this series. (laughs) No, for sure. It's definitely something that, that kind of keeps happening. I don't mind it so much. That first couple times was very jarring, but like, I feel like I've kind of come to expect it a little bit now, but it's still a little disappointing sometimes when I'm like, Oh, I got to wait a whole nother week. And then now, of course, next week after next week's episode, we're going to have to wait. We don't exactly know how long for the next episode. So I really hope there's not kind of a cliffhanger ending. I hope they kind of wrap up what's going on. I'm assuming the current situation will kind of be wrapped up at least. And I hope there's nothing too drastic that happens at the end that we have to wait, you know, months to find out how it resolves. Yeah. I hope it's, yeah, nothing drastic, but something positive where you're like, Oh, now that's, they're going there now. That should be interesting. Or yeah, something So I guess that's pretty much this episode and we have to wait, like I said, till next week to figure out how this plan all all takes shape and stuff. Do you have any kind of final thoughts and uh, maybe a rating or, or final judgment of a moral star part one? I really enjoy this episode as I have all of them. They're all about the same in my ratings. I mean, I would give this one maybe, maybe close to a, five out of five you know murphs in zero's suit thing but (laughs) you know i it's just up there i mean i'm really enjoying it and i love the scene on the protostar with gwen and her dad i thought that was an excellent scene and also he changed janeway to his yeah i forgot to mention that Yeah. yeah So, I, I mean, I don't like the, him doing that, but I love how they got him with the protostar. You know, the, they got him. You know, I just loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so really strong episode. I agree with everything. I, I really enjoyed the, you know, bait and switch of like, oh, they've taken the protostar. And uh, yeah, that moment where he changes Janeway was really chilling too. And just like, it reminded me, and I see Memory Alpha says this too, it kind of uh, is reminiscent of when they deleted the doctor's ethical subroutines and all of a sudden he's kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type thing going on. And that's sad to see the free will of this hologram just usurped like that. So, you know, looking forward to that getting fixed as well. It kind of forestalled my thought that like, oh, Janeway's going to be on board and going to kind of be an inside agent for them. But Oh, I guess not. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I have a hard time calling this a kid show. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's safe for kids. It is kind of geared towards kids. But to me, it's really geared towards all ages. Yeah. You know? It's just and, and the thing is, your main characters are kids, but so are in the Harry Potter series. Right. But that appeals mm-hmm. to all ages. That's how this feels to me. Yeah. And I should say Aaron J. Waltke in that interview I was talking about said something very similar where, you know, they're not 
setting out to make a kid's show and they're not setting out to make a show for adults. They're setting out to make a show that anyone can enjoy. And I, I really appreciate that. And that does come across here. So yeah, when I do call it a kid's show, I hope I'm not sounding dismissive. What I, I mean that more inclusively, I guess, than than exclusively, if that makes sense. Yeah, because also the goal of the show is to appeal to kids and have them learn about Starfleet. Because if we consider the new Star Trek that we'd be getting, well, I mean, Discovery for the younger you know, kids probably isn't always that appropriate and they may not be into watching discovery. Same with Picard. It skews older. And of course, some of the humor in lower decks may not be appropriate. This is safe. Star Trek. It's for everyone young and old. It's that, you know, so it's safe to say it's a kid show because Nickelodeon is, but I think even Nickelodeon as a brand isn't just about kids. It appeals a lot to kids, but it's all ages. I mean, think of SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, there's, for example, you know, there's other shows in Nickelodeon that a lot of adults are into. I, I don't have much more to say about this episode other than I really enjoyed it. And, and like you, it's kind of just up there with the rest of Prodigy. Like it's been all very excellent. Uh, and I think I'm going to give this one really cool portable jetpack that I kind of want one of my own now. <laughs> oh, yeah, the those are pretty packs. neat. Yeah, I want one of those. Those are better than the little boots that Spock used in Star Trek V. Oh, definitely. Yeah, way better. <laughs> they should just digitally add that jet pack to Spock in Star Trek V when they do the director re-release, whatever, like they're doing with the motion picture that doesn't appear to ever going to happen to the final frontier. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode A Moral Star Part 1. Let us know, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at PositivelyTrek. Join us next week when we're going to talk about A Moral Star Part 2, believe it or not. And uh, until then, Bruce, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And... I'm on a recent episode of Ion Cannon, where we're talking about the Book of Boba Fett, and it's the episode where we had practically a Mandalorian episode, and uh, also have doing some stuff at Literary Treks, and hopefully sometime soon we'll have some new episodes of the Star Wars Report. Ooh, very cool. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions, and of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. And uh, also check out our Goodreads group where you can find out what's coming up in our book club episodes. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, patreon.com slash positively trek we really appreciate everyone's support and even just listening to the episode is the best way you can support us so thank you all so much for all of your support by listening and we'll see you in the next episode until then as always stay positive Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.